Karen, I'm so happy to see you. Happy mid-January. Shit. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh God. Yes. Oh God. Oh, it's also MLK. So happy MLK. Happy MLK day. And unfortunately for Martin Luther King, his, the federal holiday also fall, falls on blue Monday. What's blue Monday. It has been scientifically shown to be the most depressing day of the whole year. Oh God. What? I have yes. never heard of this. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I, I will admit I got a press release today that reminded me of it. It's like the third Monday in January. Is this the third Monday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever Monday in January, because the holidays are over. It's fucking cold in most places. And there's like this stretch between now and like the next real holiday, like the next day, a paid day off. President's and day. So yeah. And yes, that's right. But still, oh, maybe it's not that long. Anyway, there's some reason why it's Blue Monday. It's the most depressing day of the year. God, that is a horrible day. <laughs> oh my it's, gosh. It's, it's today, listeners. Hello. Welcome. Yes. Welcome. Welcome to this very uplifting podcast. <laughs> yes. If you feel depressed, you're not alone, apparently, because <laughs> the whole planet is blue. Mike, oh my God. What? Wow. All right. Well, that actually, I think it makes so much sense though, honestly, like from a, like a psychological perspective, like you say, like the holidays are over. If people have new year's resolutions, the new year's resolutions that they're trying to, you know, uphold are getting real, real right now. And so it's like, yeah, two weeks in, it's just like, do I really want to do whatever the thing is that I said I was going to do? Yeah. It's right. Dry you wary. Oh, no. Oh God, exactly. Dry January. I've never heard it called that dry January. Yes. Like yes. I, <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to drink in January. I just don't even drink that much anymore. And then this week I was like, I'll have some wine. Like I was <laughs> like, <laughs> I also slept like crap afterward, but like, whatever it's yeah, it's, it's hard to uphold those very like dualistic things to quote our amazing guest today, <gasps> like the dualistic mind, the right and wrong. Oh my gosh, Karen. It was so wonderful to talk to Tanya. I mean, she's just, she's incredible. She really is incredible. And I also feel like it's so funny. I feel like the universe will tell us like Karen and Katie, y'all are getting a, your, you need to talk to Tanya. Like, I feel like we just have these like periodically. We're just like, okay, it, it's time. We yes. need to have Tanya back. Right, it's like, true. You guys need her. Right it's now. like a divine intervention. That's like, yes. Oh, <laughs> email Dr. Tanya Israel. And then it's like two minutes later, she's responding. Not really two minutes, 12 hours later. She's responding within a list, by the way, list oh of topics. I mean, oh, Tanya, we're so thankful for you. I mean, really like, it was just so wonderful to talk to her and listeners. If you've heard other episodes with Tanya, please continue to listen. Not that you would ever bounce off because she's, I mean, one of my favorite guests by far. Um, I just think that we're, what we're talking about today is like really, really important. Like it's like, it also gave me a lot of peace. It gave me so much peace. And we always say, we always feel so much calmer. And of course, one of the things that we try to do oh, with Hyacinth cat, get down. Um, <laughs> One of the things that we try to do with this podcast is be really timely. Like you and I are looking at each other on Friday evening and this will come out Monday morning. Yeah. And so we're trying to, right. We try to have conversations that are like about what people are talking about or about what we're feeling right now or about what we're seeing right now. And I feel like that is very, very true of this conversation with Tanya. It's like very tapping into so many things that we're all going through right now. Totally. It's like very to the minute. I mean, yeah. to give people a little bit of a teaser, we talk in depth about kind of, um, the, the right and wrong thinking that many of us have around COVID or on vaccines. And really Tanya gives us like a different perspective and a, a, just a different way of thinking about things in a more complex, nuanced way that for my, for me, it was very calming because it just reminds me that everyone is a human being, like a human yes. being that has their own stuff going on. And it can be so easy to villainize other people. And, um, there's more than that. Like the, the media likes to paint it in this right or wrong way. And that's actually not life. Well, and that we're never going to, we didn't get next time we talk to Tanya, we'll talk about this part of it, but you know, we're never going to get past this period, this divisive period in our history. If we keep on the path we're on, like something's got to give. And 
maybe it doesn't, the government's not going to change overnight. Political divides aren't going to change overnight, but we as people can change and that that hopefully will result in institutional systemic change. Yes, exactly. It's so important to have these conversations because I feel like the conversation that we had with her, Karen, is a conversation that's not being had. Like, it's just not, it's like, it's, which is sad to me. Like this is, I mean, it really feels very revolutionary what she was saying. And I wish it wasn't, I wish other people were having these conversations. I wish that this, you know, I mean, I think it's just, it's like when you sit, when you and I sit down and talk to each other, we're not talking about right and wrong thinking. We're talking about our emotions. We're talking about our feelings and our vulnerabilities and our fears and our excitements and all of these things. And that's really what Tanya brings in to look at the rest of the world that way. Like, it's so easy to not look at the rest of the world that way and to just paint people in a box that's okay in a box that's not okay. And like, all of us do it though. It's not just the people who are out there. It's like, I die, I take full responsibility of doing that shit. I do it all the time. And it's so, this is the cheesiest thing that will make me sound like such a Gen Xer, but I am. So there, there we are. I don't know if you remember, it's a song by Sting from, oh my God, probably the eighties or early nineties called the Russians. Hmm. I might and, know it. I love Sting. Oh my God such a giant sting nerd, but there's, um, it's either the bridge or the chorus. And the line is, I, I hope the Russians love their children too. Oh, was like the height of the, like Reagan Gorbachev yelling at each other. Don't yell at me if I have the president. Oh my God. Tiny's probably listening right now and being like, um, actually Karen, it was whatever. (laughs) I don't, I don't remember. It's okay. Um, I don't know either. Actually. I mean, this was cold war time. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it was like, the like we're gonna blow each other up there was this you know period of time when we you know I remember having to like like we all all the schools had bomb shelters all this shit right like I remember as a kid like doing tornado drills and like oh if there's a bomb drill like that kind of shit and yes I hope the Russians love their children too and that's what it reminds me of like we all have people we care about and we all have a common humanity even if we have all these differences and I feel like you're absolutely right that Tanya reminds me of that every time we talk to her. Yeah. I think that's part of why it makes me calm because it just reminds me of our shared humanity. It reminds me that we're all, we're all just, I mean, I love the Brene Brown quote or, you know, sentiment of like, we're all doing the best we can. Like we really are. And like, I, it's hard to get behind that with every single person and every single decision, but like, and even with myself, I'm like, am I doing the best I can right now? But it's like, I just, (laughs) I, I, it's, it's helpful to just think that people are inherently good. So, yeah. I mean, even when they're not right. I feel like, you know, of course we have this conversation and of course these images pop into my head of like the most evil people. And I feel like this is, this is what happened. This is what we've been programmed to do. We think of the most evil, evil people. We, I'm sure we all have those images in our heads and then we superimpose them onto people who every person who doesn't agree with us. And Mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, yeah, it's just, it's really interesting. And I think it's also really interesting that Tanya doesn't really offer solutions. She doesn't say, believe this or believe that, like, which is actually so refreshing. And that's part of what she does with her work is it's nuanced, it's complex so that it's not like you're walking away from this conversation thinking like, oh, that's right. Tanya says to do this. So that means I'm good. Or Tanya says to not do this. So that means I'm bad, which is what every single news outlet and interview and all of it. And frankly, I do it the same. Like I absolutely, it's so much easier and like, it it just makes it so much easier to put people in boxes when the truth is, is it's much more complex than that. So I really appreciate her perspective. It was just so wonderful to talk to her. Yeah. Well, and to the range of things that we got to talk to her about. Today's episode of Of Course I'm Not Okay, the podcast is brought to you by the wonderful joys of being over 40. One of them I'm realizing is a heightened sensitivity to gluten. I love pizza. I love noodles. I love any type of pasta. I love bread. I love croissants. Name a type of where gluten, a food that gluten shows up in and I'm all over it. Um, but you know, it's okay. I'm trying to embrace that. So thank you being over 40 for sponsoring this podcast.
Oh, that's true. It's not only about COVID. That's for sure. So yeah. speaking of range of things, segue. <laughs> um, so I have to tell you, I had an experience this weekend and this past weekend after I talked to you last and I'm kind of bumming about it, Karen. Oh, like no. I'm like, so actually I'm really bumming about it. So back in August, I developed an allergy on my finger under my wedding ring that I have been wearing for Ooh. 12 years and it's gold, it's white gold and it's rose gold. And I know people who know metals are going to be like, Katie, why would you ever get a white gold wedding band? Who the heck I have? No, I know none of this shit, but anyway, so it turns out that like, so what happened was I got, it actually became really, really painful. My skin was like peeling off. It was horrible. Like it was bad. So I had to take off my ring and I had the ring professionally cleaned and I was like, okay, that's probably what it's going to be. And my, my finger, you know, healed. I used cortisone, da, da, da. And a couple months later, I put it back on and within 48 hours, I was in a ton of pain in my, my finger was in a ton of pain. And again, I was having this like full on like level 10 allergic reaction on my finger, not level 10 in the rest of my body, but just my finger. And I was like, oh my God, like, I can't, I can't wear this. Like, I just cannot wear this. Like, and so Tyler and I have been talking about going to a jewelry store. Also, of course I need to go to the dermatologist, which is what I'm going to be doing as well. But I went to the jewelry store with Tyler, um, over the weekend and we walk in and the woman behind the counter, I was like, hi, I am having some allergic reactions. And she's like, how old are you? And I was like 40. And she's like, mm, do you have a white gold band? And I was like, uh, yes. And she's like, yeah, it's hormones. She's like, you're never going to be able to white, wear white gold again. You need to Wait, what? platinum. Oh yeah. She was like, platinum is the only, or I don't know if it's the only, but one of the only hypoallergenic allergenic, um, metals. And so people who get platinum wedding bands or wedding rings, like you're good for life. But like, she's like, it's extremely common to become allergic to white gold or any other gold. And I was like, well, no, can you dip it? Like people are telling me this, like my friends who are not jewelers are telling me this, like, they're like, oh, well, maybe if you just dip the ring in platinum, I didn't know, can platinum be liquefied? I don't know. I have a lot of questions. So anyway, so I asked her that and she's like, yeah, that's not a thing. And I was like, cool. And she's like, you know, basically we can make a replica of your ring using like CAD design and, or like, you know, computer aided design and, um, She's like, it won't be a hundred percent though. And I was like, like, I mean, Tyler and I, we, we designed our ring together when we were traveling Mm. through Australia. Like I have a lot of like very sentimental feelings about it. It's like very important to me. Like some people don't give a shit about their wedding rings. They're like, I don't even wear it. Who cares? Doesn't matter. I actually am not that person. Like I actually, I like really love my ring also does not look like a wedding ring. Like people are like, wait, is that your wedding ring? Cause it's a purple sapphire anyway, long story, but like, cause I don't like diamonds. And so the thing is, is that Karen, I'm 40 and now I need a new wedding ring, which is fine. I'll get a new one, but what the hell? Oh man. I mean, file under shit. No one tells you about aging. I'm so sorry that's happening. (laughs) It sounds so painful and stressful and like, ah, just, ah, just, ah, right. I mean, this is also like, not even like, uh, you know, I don't know what kind of problem I want to say. This is like, this is obviously I can live without a wedding ring. So I don't want to like lump my problem with other, you know, very real problems, but like I do, I'm just pissed about it. Like I'm annoyed by it and I have so many feelings about it. And so anyway, I've been doing a lot of internet deep dives on different jewelers and I actually found one in San Francisco. So maybe I'll go in February and have him help me create a ring, but apparently custom platinum is not like a normal thing. It's usually just like, I walked into this jewelry store and every single ring was a solitaire diamond that like, I just, which is cool. That's great. I don't know what people who are looking for rings right now want or whatever. It's, it's just not my jam. Like I just, I'm not interested. I do not want a diamond. And so I just Mm. want to use my, but then I was like, well, maybe I could use my purple sapphire that I have currently in my ring in a new ring. But if that happens, they're going to have to cut this ring open. And like, what am I going to do with that? (laughs) Makes me so sad anyway. Yeah. It's just interesting filing it under shit. People don't tell you. And, uh, also public service announcement for anyone who wants to get rings in general, be careful if you are looking for gold. That is the wildest fucking thing your hormones changed. And so now you're allergic to your ring. Yeah. Apparently yellow gold, like old school yellow gold is actually a little bit more hypoallergenic than white gold. Um, 
but, and I'm not against yellow gold, but it's just, yeah, that's that. So anyway, that was just a random occurrence, but how was I your mean, week? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will tell you what it also brings up for me really quickly. Um, when Sam and I, when my partner and I were ring shopping, mm-hmm. um, we are in, have been engaged for a very, very, very long time. So y'all, if you're like, oh, I didn't know you were married. Yeah, no, we're not. Um, so she took me to this beautiful old school jewelry store in Seattle where she also lives. And I tried on this ring. It was like just this enormous ring. And I was just like, I just want to try it on because I've just like never even, it was like a real housewives oh, wow. style ring. You know, it's just this like massive yellow diamond, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And it was seven carats <gasps> and like tens of thousands of dollars. Oh my goodness. And I had this thing on and I was just like, uh-huh, I could live this life. <laughs> <laughs> right. You were like just transported. Yes. Like, yes. I could be Lisa Rinna. I could be oh, like the countess. God. Like I could be <laughs> all right. I could be Nini from Atlanta. I wait, who are the other? I used, I did used to watch Real Housewives of Atlanta. Um, Nini, right? Sheree, all, all yes. of them. All of them. I, I could step into this life of this ring that was like more than my old mortgage. Yes. Oh my gosh. Did you absolutely love it? I know it was gaudy too. I mean, that was the <laughs> other thing, right? Like I, Yes. I, maybe I've told this story in the pod. Like we were, when we were shopping, I had two different rings on. So I put that one away. It was just like ridiculous, but I had these two rings on. And one of them was a sapphire, like a traditional blue sapphire. And the other yeah. one I think, was a diamond. It was just like so beautiful. And Sam was like, okay, oh, hey, hey, um, you know what? Why don't we, why don't we sleep on it? We'll just, just put this back. And we got outside and she was like, you had $30,000 worth of jewelry on. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, uh. Oh my goodness. No wonder I was so happy. Like oh looking at these two rings. And I mean, you know, these, the people in the jewelry store saw me coming, right. They're just like, they, they had a section. Sam had already set it up that they had this section oh. of rings that she had like budgeted for. And I didn't like any of the ones in there. So the ladies were like, Oh no, that's fine. Here, let's bring you a glass of champagne. You can walk around the rest of the store. Oh, and that's like, how oh. they get you. <laughs> <laughs> that is how they get you. Oh my gosh. They did see you a mile away. They were like, oh my God. she is an easy mark. We're going to sell her a $30,000 ring. Can you imagine? I would just, I think I would really have a hard time, like not against anyone who is listening, who has a $30,000 ring. That's amazing. But also I think I would just feel I don't know, a little bit uncomfortable, like that my ring cost way more than my car, like on my hand. I'm like, what if I lost it? Or maybe not, maybe it's, it's worth wearing. And it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, you get a nice piece of jewelry or you get a nice piece of clothing and then you never wear it because you're afraid of wearing it. So maybe I could try to flip that narrative. I don't know. I just, I'm not sure. I, all I could think was like, I take the CTA. Yeah. Right. Like I'm gonna get on the L with a $30,000 ring on. I don't think so. Great point. That is a good point. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I wish you luck in your jewelry journey. Thank you. I feel like you're going to come out the other side of this better off. I don't know. It sounds. Yeah. I mean, you never know. It's also like, it could be metaphorical for like the next stage in our relationship. Cause it definitely, we've definitely changed in the past 12 years. And so like, there's nothing wrong with that change is good and positive change is even better. And yeah, I'm just, I, I will keep you and the listeners up to the minute posted on my, um, ring, get in <laughs> ring gate, <laughs> ring gate, <laughs> ring gate, 2022. <laughs> I love that ring getting. Mm-hmm. Oh, ring getting. Yes. Oh my gosh. But everyone who's listening, we hope that you enjoy our conversation with Tanya as much as we did. It was such a pleasure. Enjoy Tanya Israel. Today's episode is brought to you by Warm Cocktail Season. I mean, I hate winter. I was born in Chicago. I'm tired of the cold. However, I now have an excuse to heat up liquor. Thank you for sponsoring today's episode. Hello, Dr. Tanya Israel, our returning guest for a third time, fourth time, really, if you if you uh, count the uh, time on our one-year anniversary party last July. Thank you so much for being here. 
I am thrilled to be back. I love hanging out with y'all. So excited to have you. I just was texting with my friends and I was like, oh, Katie and I are recording with our favorite repeat guest and my friend sent back a text in all caps that just said, doctor. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you are famous in our community. Tanya, yes. you really are like, this is this, you are full on like Beyonce level in my opinion. Oh, oh my goodness. I'm <laughs> blushing. You can't see on the podcast, because, but you know, I'm blushing. Oh my gosh. Okay. So I love that you were so willing to come on, um, when I emailed you last week. And I also love that you had some critiques, maybe not critiques, but like some, some comments about what we were talking about earlier, starting with Hamilton. So we were talking about Lin-Manuel Miranda last episode, listeners, if you haven't heard, go ahead and um, cycle back into our last episode, but we were talking about Lin-Manuel and about Hamilton and Karen, you were saying that you just love that soundtrack so much. And then Tanya, you were illuminating some facts that we didn't have correct. And I would love to hear them because this is very educational for us. So I'm sure that this happens with other people, but when I'm listening to you all in my head, I am participating in the conversation. So I often have sort of thoughts about the things that you're saying. And so then you're like, do you want to come back? I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, I have immediate thoughts. So (laughs) part of my college education was hanging out with a lot of gay men who were very into musical theater. And one of the things that I learned from them is that a soundtrack is more typically what you hear in a movie. Like if it's the movie version of something, then it's a soundtrack. But what you um, call it when it is um, based on a live theater production and it's the songs from the live theater production, that is a cast recording. So soundtrack versus cast recording. Before you meet Lin-Manuel, you just have to know that. I mean, and we'll sound so much smarter because we know the distinction, you are saving us from, you know, looking like we're not in the know. So thank you. I, 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 yes. I love having little tidbits of things that make me sound smart in very specific situations. So when I go wine tasting, I, I always remember the term malolactic fermentation. Wow. That is a mouthful. Malolactic fermentation. What does that mean? It's, it's what makes Chardonnay buttery. So, so the longer you have the malolactic fermentation, the more buttery it is. So that's all you need. You just need one term for any circumstance to sound super smart. That's so so cast recording malolactic fermentation. I'm going to really try to remember that. I just, I just hope that I do three glasses of Chardonnay in like, (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot of syllables to remember, but I appreciate the education. I really, I really need to try that out. So, okay, I have a question then about Chardonnay. Oh, great. Someone asked me in the last year if I preferred oaked or unoaked. And I was like, I don't, I just, I just drink it. <laughs> I, totally. So the thing you need to do, we were talking mm-hmm. about this before we started recording. The thing you need to do is to come visit Santa Barbara County <laughs> uh, because then we will go wine tasting and, and there will be lots of opportunity to talk with people about um, oak versus, you know, non-oak or how long you do different things. There's so much going on with it. Oh my gosh. I have been to Santa Barbara one time and I went to the wine the wine trail, I guess, or it was in town. I think Mm -hmm. it was called the funk zone, even though that's okay. I was like, am I saying that correct? I don't remember, but, um, but yes, I, I, it was actually really amazing. The wine was unbelievable. So Karen, this might be a field trip for 2022. I mean, I can't say no to that. Exactly. Well, and to get to hang out with Tony and drinking wine. I mean, it's a work, it's also a work trip. It is totally expensive. Write this thing off. (laughs) Yes. Indeed. Okay. So also you had some thoughts around bidets, which I, I would love to hear your thoughts. And I also have to share that that topic that we brought up last, last um, episode was a very hot topic with my group of friends. And so I don't know how many text chains I'm on about bidets now, but um, yes, Tanya, I would love to hear all your thoughts and feelings about bidets. Absolutely. Uh, So I think bidets are fantastic. I, I think that they're wonderful and that that you can now, through some you know simple adjustments, uh, purchase something that 
you can have an in-home bidet. You don't need like a separate thing from your toilet, which I think is fantastic. So they do sometimes indeed have heated seats and like heated water streams, which, you know, that that's very nice. You don't want cold water there. So that that's a very good thing. There are drying things. So all of that. Um, so so there are, I guess, different brands of toilets that you can get. You have to have like a like an outlet near your toilet so that it can be plugged in and you're not going to get shocked by it. You are not actually interacting with the water and electricity at the same time. I just want to assure you because I know that you had some concerns about that. So I just wanted to clear that up. <laughs> I mean, okay, I have to say one thing. So the, the distinction that you just made is really important about the fact that A, you don't get electrocuted and B, you have to hook up the water source. So this was one thing that a lot of people who I was, was texting with was, were freaking out about. They were like, okay, what the heck? Why would I put toilet water in it? Like, why would I want toilet water squirted at me? Well, that is a major misconception. The truth is, is it's from your actual water source, like literally like your tap, like that's where the water is coming from. So that's one thing. And, and then the other thing I was talking to people about was people were asking me, well, I mean, why would I want like a wet situation after I used a bidet. And the thing is, is that I did a little bit of research and what you said also, Tanya rings true is that there are dryers that you can get installed. And then also with Tushy. So I did a little bit of research on the company Tushy and they actually have like a butt towel that they, that they call like, and yeah, it's like a different type of towel, but it sits next to your bidet. I don't actually know how I feel about the butt towel add-on to the tushy bidet package. But at the same time, I appreciate the effort. I just, I just don't know if I would ever want to share a butt towel with literally any human. So I'm not sure. I think the dryer would be the only option for me. Just put it out there. <clears throat> I have a lot of questions too about this <laughs> towel. Uh, it's a reusable towel. It is. So you uh. wash it, but it's like very, very absorbent. It almost looks, and I cannot speak for Tushy. If anyone from Tushy is listening, I, <laughs> I, I would direct everyone to their website, but like, it looks almost like the consistency of like a bath mat almost like it's very, very absorbent. And so I'm like, uh, I don't know, but I think the, the idea is there that you're not just wet yeah I, I I have to say I don't know about the towel situation uh I I realized that there was one more thing that I thought was important to say about the bidet which is that you can have some that have different angles of uh the water trajectory and so it can sort of angle toward the um the back end more or more toward the you know the the front or middle-ish end more and as a woman I think that that is useful because there are, you know, multiple things that you might want to um, bidet. Okay. That is also something that I wanted to mention because another person in my life was talking about how, and I'm just going to put this out there, but how they knew someone who basically had a bidet a long time ago and it was frankly a very sexual experience for them and very enjoyable. Ooh. Yeah, exactly. Stop and I, when this person was talking to me about it, I was like, wait, that's not a thing. Like, I, I mean, as if I know anything about bidets because I've never used one, but I was like, that's not the right area. Like what? And this person I was talking to was like, no, no, no. My old friend, like full on had the best orgasm of her life. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, so that's a whole nother can of worms that we can open people. Cause who knew? everyone's going to rush to bidet stores now. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. I also enjoy so much that Tanya, you are a doctor. <laughs> you, you are a professor of counseling. You are an, a published author, a renowned speaker on all of these different amazing topics. And we just spent like 10 minutes talking to you about bidets. It makes me really happy. <laughs> Can I just say everybody poops? <laughs> true it's true true fact you speak you speak facts yes. you speak facts yes thank you for being willing to talk about a range of topics and now in our seamless segue uh yes. tradition i would love to talk with you now tanya about other topics so 
it's so great. Thank you so much for sending such amazing lists of topics um, when we reached out to you. And I would love to know like which one is really coming to you right now that you would love to kind of start with because you, I mean, for people who are not familiar with your work, um, you wrote, uh, um, actually, can you say the name of your, the title of your, um, your book is um, something dialogue. Beyond your bubble. Beyond your bubble. Thank you. Beyond your bubble. I was thinking of your URL. Yes. Beyond your bubble. And your work is so wonderful in terms of like crossing the aisle to have understanding and dialogue. And, you know, there's so much nuance in your work. And I would just love to know, um, for people who don't know, you know, please go back in our episodes and listen to previous episodes with you, but also just what, what topic is kind of coming to you now that you're just so hot on that you want to make sure to kind of get out there in the public sphere. Okay, thank you for asking that. Um, I will tell you the thing that is most on my mind right now, and COVID is obviously the thing on so many people's minds right now. It's 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 so much the context that we're in, and one of the things that I started doing was sort of digging around. You know, I keep hearing things about um, this gap in vaccination rates between Democrats and Republicans. And so I was like, oh, what is that actual gap? How many people are actually vaccinated? And what I realized is that what I was finding in terms of the factual information is not being so represented in the media. So here's, oh, oh, wait, I'll do a little, I'll do a little, um, a little quiz, um, although I think I already sent you all some information, but so you can see if, if, you, can, if you can recall, um, what percentage of adults in the United States are, have had at least one dose of the vaccine? Ooh, is it 61% or 48%? Ooh. Oh gosh, Karen, you would know this better than I would. Um... My guess is it's higher. At least one dose, I would guess it's like 72%. 86%. What, really? What? 86% oh. of adults in the U.S. have received at least one dose of the vaccine. This is from the CDC website. Wait, wait, that's Whoa. insane. Yeah, that is so no not what the media is portraying at all. Oh my no. gosh. I know. I know. And it's 70 some percent have received two doses. And I keep having to update my statistics on how many people are boosted because it's going up all the time. And so it's about 40% now. All I'm hearing is about people who are about the unvaccinated, you know, Um, you know how like we always talk about like people first language, like people with disabilities, not the disabled. And now we're like the unvaccinated. I was like, people have not received the vaccine, you know, so, but even that it's, it's under 14% of people have not received any of the vaccine. About half of those people say there's nothing that could convince them to get the vaccine. So if we're talking about, oh, how do we convince people who haven't gotten a shot to get a shot? We're talking about 7% of the American public. And that's ridiculous for us to spend all of our energy talking about people who don't want to get vaccinated at all. What we need to be doing is focusing on our energy on the nearly 50% of people who are willing to get a shot, but haven't gotten like double vaxxed and boosted yet. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is... That is stunning. And I, I, I'm embarrassed at how far off, I mean, we're, we're journalists, right? I'm embarrassed how far off I was. Don't be. There's no reason that you would know that because nobody is reporting on it. And I put up a Twitter poll and nobody, literally no one's getting the right answer so far. This is boggling my mind, Tanya, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, this is actually like making me kind of mad. (laughs) Like, because the thing is, is that I mean, it's, it's it like the, the vitriol that is being like slung at people who are not vaccinated. I mean, that like, I have people in my life who are in the medical community who, you know, my brother used to be an emergency room nurse and now he's in graduate school. So he's out of the hospitals, but he has a lot of people who talk to him, um, who are, you know, basically saying that they have quit their jobs because they can't, they can't, you know, prioritize unvaccinated people over people who are coming in with car accidents and dying in the, you know, waiting rooms and all of this stuff. It's like horrible. It's absolute horror shows, but it's so interesting what you're saying that on like, maybe we should kind of 
reframe and like what it sounds like what you're saying is to reframe and think about people who are already okay with the one shot and just haven't gotten the second and then the booster. Like that's really interesting to me. Yeah, I think that, you know, it's it's hard to get some perspective on this when when we just keep hearing about you know, all of the people who aren't vaccinated, when we're hearing the frustration that people have with people who aren't vaccinated. And I, I understand that, especially for healthcare workers, it's really hard for them to see the hospitals filling up and for people who are in the emergency room to say, well, can I get the vaccine now? And well, no, you can't uh, once you already have COVID at that point. And so I understand the heightened emotion around that. And I understand the, the heightened urgency people are feeling. But when I tell people this like statistic that is available on the CDC website, oh my gosh, my Twitter poll links to the CDC website. I'm like, this is an open book quiz, people. And still nobody can get their head around this because it just sounds completely out of line with what we're hearing in the media. So I'm, again, yes, I agree. Mind boggled. And so what, what does it look like to reframe this conversation to what would it look like to actually be having the conversation that would get us somewhere and that would be less divisive? What, what does that look like? I mean, I'm guessing that what people are concerned about is saying, like, if you say 86% of people are vaccinated, then, you know, have received at least one dose, people are like, then it's not going to seem urgent. And then people aren't going to do it. I'm, I mean, I think that that's some of it. Some of it is that, uh, you know, I mean, Karen, you work in the media. So uh, the thing I see is that conflict and heightened emotion are what gets reported on because that's what people pay attention to. So something like, you know, and people talk about this, you know, gap between Democrats and Republicans. So the last study I could find, which was from Pew um, back in October that looked at Democrats and Republicans vaccination rates, over half of Republicans had received the vaccine. You know, 60 some percent of Republicans had received at least one dose. And that was in October. So it's definitely higher now. And so if you're dealing with a Republican, chances are they've gotten some vaccine. And so I feel like this is where the stuff I'm doing on dialogue across political lines intersects with all the stuff about COVID, that, that what we seem to be focusing on is stuff that um, that justifies our anger, you know, this frustration and anger that we have at the other side, um, whatever that is. And whether that's about um, vaccine mandates or whether it's about the unvaccinated, whatever it is, people are just like being mad. And I feel like we can in some ways take down some of that vitriol if we just look at the numbers. Wow. I really appreciate this perspective, Tanya. And what this is, is it's a nuanced perspective. Whereas I think there's this natural human inclination to make someone right or wrong and to make someone a villain. And especially coming off the Trump administration, where we actually, in my opinion, had an actual villain that like, you know, then dovetailed perfectly into, you know, into COVID, into the, um, into the insurrection, all of that. It's like, it's really interesting what you're asking, because it sounds like what you're asking is for us to think more critically about this, like to think about like, well, what is the actual issue? It sounds like in so many ways, the part of the issue, and you know what, maybe I'm trying to make it now like a, um, a very clear issue, because maybe it's not a clear issue, but like, I wonder if in so many ways, it's about getting people their second dose, or it's about people getting their booster, like versus just getting mad and then no action is taken. Yeah, it's a more complex narrative. And I think that that's hard. It's hard to get traction. Today's episode of Of Course I'm Not Okay, the podcast is brought to you by the warmest slash least flattering clothing that you own. I have no idea why these two things are together. Like why are the warmest clothes, like the least attractive, they're like bulky and they come up to your knees and they make you like look all bulby and weird, but they're super cozy. I don't know why it's true, but thank you for sponsoring today's episode. Also brings up for me, I mean, yes, you're absolutely right that 
conflict and uh, strife and playing on people's like most base emotions is what a lot of media is based. I mean, no tea, no shade to my broadcast colleagues, but that's what gets people to pay attention to you. You know, you can't, you, you don't want to watch two calm people having a conversation. You want to watch two people yelling at each other. And I feel like it also brings up for me this fear-based thinking and fear-based messaging versus I feel like at the beginning of the pandemic, it was about, we're all in this together. We're all going to get through this together, you know, wear a mask for your community. And then that turned into, well, then if you're not wearing a mask, then you hate the community and you hate me and you're a terrible person. And I feel like we've, we've completely shifted away from we're all in this together to, if you're not doing the thing that I think you should be doing, I'm going to decide, assume all of these things about you. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. We were all in it together for like a week and <laughs> then it became this war. And, you know, I'm finding that in some ways, especially now, much more so than at the beginning of the pandemic, right now, I feel like everybody is doing very different things around how they're dealing with COVID safety precaution stuff. And some of it's that we're not getting clear messages from uh, from all of the sources. And so people are just figuring stuff out. But I, I find it hard to locate a person who has exactly the same decision making that I do. Like everybody's like a little bit more, a little bit less, and it's all situational. And so we're we're always just trying to justify what we're doing because we have thought about like everybody's thought about it and everybody's making their decisions. But sometimes we get a little too hard around it and around how we're seeing other people because we need to feel like we're making the right decision. Ooh, yes, that is, wow, that is a mic drop. I mean, it's again with that black and white thing, it's with the right and wrong thinking of like, we have to be right. And if we're not right, if we are right, then, you know, everyone else is wrong no matter what. And I, I, I agree with you that I've definitely seen within my own circle, you know, like different people acting in different ways. And I've also, honestly, like I've noticed it in myself, Tanya, like I really have, like, I am now getting to a place where I don't think I thought I would be. I I'm actually flying tomorrow to Arizona for a week and I'm going to be there and I'm going to, I mean, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to, you know, um, to mask up obviously everywhere, but, and be outside primarily seeing friends and that kind of thing. Um, but I think that if I post anything on Instagram about that, like I'll definitely have some judgment from others who are, you know, not going on vacation at this moment. And the truth is, is I was the, the person judging six months ago. And so it's just, it's really interesting. Um, it feels as if, and I'm truly not trying to be negative here, but it feels as if our guards are up. They are so up and they are never down. Like, it's kind of like they, it just, at least that's how it feels for me. Does that make sense? I love that you can recognize that you were that other person like a few months ago. Like we all keep changing our position in relation to other people in terms of where we are. And I think that that complexity and nuance, if we can see that in ourselves, um, and try to not be quite so judgmental about what everybody else is doing, or at least like, you know, recognize that there's not just one right answer about how to deal with this right now. Well, one thing that's so interesting to me about this conversation, because I, I absolutely am witnessing exactly that same thing of like, everybody's doing something different is I know so many people, I think we, this was before we hit record this, you said something Tanya about like, we are all one degree away from someone who has COVID now, which was not true for me until very recently. And I know so many people who have gotten sick very recently. And what's odd to me is that it hasn't shifted this like super cruel crass thing that I hear people talking about, about people quote unquote deserving to get COVID. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, well, you're not vaccinated or, oh, that person used to party all the time or, oh, they used to eat at restaurants or like this whole thing that we, oh, it's the cat. 
Tanya's cat is here. Zola's um, hi, here. Zola. Hi, Zola. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, she's lovely. <laughs> Wait, this is why we need a video podcast so you can all see how cute Zola is. Like, yes, just this. I feel like all of us knowing so many people who are sick, I feel like hasn't reduced somehow um, this like really weird like it, it just, it, it's just, it brings out this part of people. Like, I feel like P, I'm hearing people say it, which is like, do you have any idea how awful that is that you've said that, right? Like you would never say that about any other illness. And when people did say that about any other illness, it was AIDS and it was shitty then and it's shitty now. And it just, it's, it's really interesting that we still are even, even with how ambiguous things are and how, your behavior doesn't necessarily dictate whether or not you get COVID. You can do all the right things and still get it, that we're still being really shitty and judgmental. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And thank you for making that connection between AIDS and COVID. And, you know, it's like we we have lived through a pandemic before. Uh, and the the judgment about people's behavior, I mean, people are trying to stay safe and people are trying to live their lives and we're trying to navigate all of these aspects of our interactions with other people. It's interesting how attached people are to being mad at other people. There's this whole literature on affective polarization that's so interesting that's about not whether we disagree about a policy or an issue, but about how upset we are at people who disagree with us on it. And so what we're seeing is that people on different sides, you know, of the political spectrum are so the, the vitriol toward the other side is so high. And here's the interesting thing. That's what gets reshared, liked, retweeted, whatever it is. It's not if you're saying something about an issue, is it it's if you're saying something about the people on the other side of the issue. And so we're really creating this divisiveness that's not even about what we believe. It's really about being upset at the people who don't agree with us. Oh my goodness. Wow. Thank you for saying that. And I think that I see that reflected every 10 minutes, whenever I go on, not that I go on Instagram every 10 minutes, but whenever I do go on Instagram, it's there. Whenever I turn on the television, it's there. Even when I'm listening to satirical late night shows on YouTube, it's there. Like it's, it's just, it's there. It's in, it's, it's so insidious. Like it's just, it's in the conversation. And I'm also someone who participates at times. Like I, I definitely feel yeah, it's just really, really interesting that um, it reminds me of the Biden election because, you know, so many people felt that, you know, they didn't want Trump, but they didn't actually care that much about what Biden's policies were or didn't understand what the policies were, but it was more about just not wanting Trump. And so therefore they, they voted in that way. So this, this affects so many different aspects of life in a very concrete way. I guess I wonder, you know, for people who are listening, Tanya, who are thinking, I am one of those people who is angry all the time. Like, I really struggle with this. Like, I actually have a lot of people in my life who are very upset about the vaccination topic, very upset, like lose sleep upset. And I guess I'm just wondering, you know, they, they have personal experiences with, you know, people who actually might not, you know, choose to get vaccinated or people, there's a wide variety in terms of, you know, dealing with our own anger, like for ourselves and what we can do for ourselves, do you have any advice or things that help if, you know, you talk to other people about this or yourself when you're just feeling this bubbling up, you know, I, I, I don't know. Sometimes it feels like you're in your own chamber of misery. Boy, that's such a good question. Like, what do we do about it? One thing I think is to take a break from social media because so much of that, um, uh, that emotion, I feel like, is communicated. I feel like sometimes I'll look at my Facebook feed and I just feel like everybody's shouting. Um, and, and Twitter's even worse. So I think sometimes just take a break from it. I, you know, I've, I, I will sometimes take a break from my phone for 24 hours, like literally put my phone down and not touch it. And 
I think we need to sort of pull ourselves away just to have those breathers. Honestly, accurate information helps. And it's amazing how we're not paying attention to it. Um, not just accurate information, but sort of like the complexity of the information that's out there. And that's that's the thing when you're like, what do you want to talk about? I was like, I don't know. The, the, the thing I feel like I am most in these days is complexity and nuance and recognizing how hard it is to get traction for anything that is complex and nuanced um, because it's just easier to have a simpler narrative. And we none of us want to believe that that's what we're doing, that we're just simplifying things. But like the stuff around COVID, um, we are, we're simplifying things. We're simplifying this idea of who these other people are, who people are who aren't getting vaccinated. Like, and, and, and it's not even an accurate representation of reality. Oh, that one, it all hurts. It, it all hurts because, you know, I, I, feel like I just think back and I think we've talked about this before, you know, I was a reporter for a news organization whose name I do not say, but whose initials are AP and you're writing so quickly and you're covering breaking news and you just pick up these paragraphs from every other story that's been written about that topic, this boilerplate language that is completely devoid of any nuance or complexity that uses only shorthand, that is only playing upon people's assumptions about things. And you throw it in and it goes into every story you write about that topic for as long as it's happening. And I don't know how you break reporters of that habit. I mean, as readers, I guess, as you know, what we can do as readers, as consumers of media, as listeners of this podcast, like, do you have any tips for as we're consuming media, how to think like, okay, that's boilerplate language, or that is shorthand, or that is completely lacking in any nuance. Like, how do we, how do we read into things and realize that what we're consuming is, is devoid of nuance? I think just listening to what you just said is the thing, you know, just, just to know that what we're seeing in the media, it's not necessarily that it's not accurate. It's just not the whole picture. And that's sometimes what we're missing is just the whole picture. And, you know, people talk about fake news and stuff, and it's not necessarily about people putting inaccurate things out there. It's just that everybody's putting out there a narrow slice. So looking at something and saying that's a narrow slice and then being curious about, I wonder what more there is to this. And you know, I always advocate for dialogue as a way to find out more about nuance and complexity because people are nuanced and complex and dialogue is access to people. I don't know that media will ever ca fully capture all that nuance and complexity. Uh, and I think that, you know, since it's we've gone to this 24-hour news cycle, everyone's just trying to get those hits that are going to, like, get people to pay attention. And it's really skewing our understanding of reality. I totally agree. I think that it's so hard from the news or like news perspective with the competition and with everything that is out there in terms of, you know, if so-and-so is doing it, then I'm going to be doing it. And then it kind of continues to play off of each other. I guess I wonder, going back to the dialogue conversation, because I remember a while ago, Tanya, you mentioned something about dialogue circles that you used to facilitate or still do facilitate. Is that is, is that true? Like something like that? Is that circles? Is that right? So I had back in the 90s done, uh, brought together people who are pro-choice and pro-life to have dialogue with each other. So oh, wow. yeah, so I did that. And actually that was the perfect thing for complexifying uh, the issue around abortion and not, a, not even the issue of, of, of abortion, but my understanding of people who held a different view than I did on it. Uh, that, that helped, you know, if I'm like, oh, well, if I look at, you know, what they're putting out there on bumper stickers and t-shirts and things, that's not going to give me a complex view. Like mm -hmm. to actually talk with somebody and be curious about their perspective and what led them to think that way and all of that, that was much more meaningful and made more of a difference. It really makes me think about how we put ourselves out in the world and how, you know, when we are misunderstood, it can get so frustrating, just like as individuals, it can get so frustrating 
if someone gets upset at us or if someone, you know, um, mischaracterizes us and I know for myself, I think, well, you don't even know me. Like you don't, you truly don't even know me. Do you have any idea what I'm going through or what is going on underneath and underneath and underneath? And this is for everyone. Like every single person on the planet is a universe onto themselves. You know, like, that's not my quote. Like that's a, that's a quote on my, a magnet on my refrigerator. But anyway, the point is, is that like, I wish I had a correct attribution, but like, it really gets me because it's like basically what we're talking about. Like it almost makes me emotional because like, we're really talking about human beings here. Like we're talking about human beings and going back to the dialogue um, comment, you know, I guess I wonder for people listening who are like, everyone in my life is an echo chamber of my beliefs. I wonder like where they can find people like this, like genuinely where they can find, like, is it, you know, I, I bet you can go on, find different groups online. And I'm sure that with a, a simple five minute Google search, you probably could at least find a few, but it, are there any tips that you recommend for people who are really coming in cold to this concept and really do want to have real dialogue? Yeah, there's a couple things that I'm thinking. One is that there are organizations that are that are bringing people together across the political divide. Uh, Living Room Conversations is doing that. Braver Angels is doing that. Um, Civil Squared is one of my favorite um, sources of information to listen to. Like they, they're you know the stuff that they put out there. I feel like they're really trying to. Um, take a look at complexity and nuance and bring that together. So there are things that you can consume and there are things you can participate in that I think are helpful. The, the other thing that I'm thinking about is I feel like right now we all just need some human time, like, like time with other human beings to remember how to, you know, just understand people in their, in their fullness. But it's a hard time for that. And so are there ways we can work with our own minds to try to embrace more complexity? And so one of the things that I had written to you about is that in the podcast that I do, which is called Prajna Sparks, which is P-R-A-J-N-A Sparks, uh, we are doing this series called 59 Days of Healing, but it's based on this um, Tibetan Buddhist uh, text, the Lojong, and Lojong means healing dualistic mind. And I wish I could explain all of that to you, but I can't, which is why I'm on the podcast with Yeshe, because she is the Buddhist teacher and I get to learn from her. But the amazing thing is every time we record, I basically get like an, like an individual teaching from her. And so we're doing 59 because there's like 59 little slogans. And it's kind of a nice little entry into it, I feel like, because they are they're short and it's like we're dropping an episode every day so that people can have just like, here's a little short thing that you can start your day with and keep that in mind throughout the rest of the day. And usually we do these like ridiculous episodes where it's like a teaching and a conversation and a song and a guided meditation. It's like a four course meal. This is just like, like a little, a little snack. It's like your little daily snack. But what I realized was because she and I have been recording these, you know, we're a little bit ahead in the recordings. And I started to notice my mind working differently with things and my mind sort of trying to, to bring together different sides of something. So I thought, wow, there's different things that we can do even just by ourselves to remember that things are more complex than we're probably perceiving them to be. Today's episode of Of Course I'm Not Okay, the podcast is brought to you by my five-year-old facial concealer. I am one of those people that really, really struggles to buy makeup. I don't know. I just put it on the bottom of my priority list. Let's be honest. It's not even on my priority list. And so the concealer that I use is old, but it still works. And I guess maybe I'm the same as many people out there, or I don't know. I, I think I'm the same as many people in saying that old concealer is still good concealer. So thank you old concealer for sponsoring this podcast. <sighs> oh, it's so good to hear that. And 
at, you know, before we let you go, we will ask you to tell people where they can find you all of the different ways that they can find you. I highly recommend your podcast. It is lovely. I love the four course meal, but I am also super into these snippets. I love the idea of that snippet. And, you know, I, the other thing it brings up for me is realizing like, um, how low my own personal tolerance has gotten for people who don't agree with me about one thing. And um, I'm thinking of it because I was, I love this list that you have of like where you can consume things and where you can participate in things. And I had a friend who just reminded me about uh, One Small Step, which is a project of StoryCorps. So if you're familiar with StoryCorps, right, it's like two people who are in relation, in some kind of relationship who like love each other, who are having a conversation, a father and a son or two coworkers or two people who served in the military together, having a conversation about something that's StoryCorps and it's this massive archive. And one small step is two people who are diametrically opposed, who don't know each other at all, having a conversation about something that has nothing to do with politics or that has nothing to do with the issue that they're opposed about and finding their common humanity. And I will admit, I haven't listened to it. My friend keeps mentioning it to me, but I, I just am realizing like if I, you know, say I run into somebody at a restaurant, not now, of course, because I'm not leaving my house, but like, I'm just thinking of like striking up conversation with someone and having this common, these things in common, and then my reaction, if they say something I don't agree with. And I feel like I, I just, my brain just now just jumps to like, oh, you're terrible. I can't believe I wasted my time talking to you. And I just, I just wonder as we come out of this, what our tolerance is for still being able to have a conversation with somebody or still being able to like, even have a relationship with somebody we don't agree with. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad that you told me about that resource. I hadn't heard about One Small Step, so that's super exciting. And I think that we are really going to be struggling, and we're struggling now with just interacting with other people. You know, if we look at how we're dealing with the whole safety thing around COVID and everybody's doing things a little bit differently, and it sometimes seems easier just to stay home and be by yourself than to try to navigate all of that. But I think we're in this long enough now that we're like, oh, maybe we need to figure out how to accommodate two different people's, you know, slightly different approaches to it. And it's like, oh, maybe it's like that. Maybe all of this with COVID is teaching us something about what we need to do in life generally. Yeah, we need to know what it is we're comfortable with and what's hard for us and what we believe and all of that. But if we don't want to be completely isolated ourselves, somehow we're gonna need to figure out how to interact with other people who are a little bit different than we are. I mean, that line right there, like that is that is the headline of today's episode because I think that that's, it's so true, Tanya. It's just, um, Karen and I, I know I've talked at length about it on the podcast about this awkwardness that, you know, we have both felt coming out of COVID or whatever stage we're in junior year of COVID as Karen, you said last time. Um, but I think it's like, it's, it really is very real. And I think the, the, the most sobering, um, examples of that, that I'm hearing are from parents that I know where children are having like social, emotional, major difficulties and deficiencies because they truly have, you know, this has been their life and a lot of them are so young. Um, but I think it's just so interesting to hear what you're saying in terms of, we need to figure out how to have conversations if it's across the aisle, or if it's someone who, you know, is a meat eater versus me, who's a vegetarian at the most benign level, you know, and I just think, cause I actually have a lot of very strong feelings about meat and like, I have been a vegetarian for a long time, but like, I also don't, I try not to judge people, but at the same time, like in my mind, I think about it sometimes. And I think I have to. I think it maybe comes back, or at least for me, it seems to come back to giving myself a break and being, being more gentle on myself. And therefore maybe that will permeate into others. Like what you're saying in terms of your Prajna Sparks podcast, it's like the fact that there are things that we can do alone with ourselves that will not only help ourselves, but help others is huge. Because I think that at least in my experience, I have become harder on myself during the pandemic. And I think it's honestly only because of isolation. Like, I just don't have things to bounce people, uh, bounce it off. Like, you know, my thoughts off of in a different, it's at least, 
I've noticed this and it's gotten better now that I've, you know, understood it. But at the same time, like the lack of gentleness that we have with ourselves, I think is very much evident with others. And that seems to be heightening now. And I wonder if other people are having a similar experience from the isolation. Yeah, I think that totally checks out. And hopefully, you know, I, I don't, I don't always want to be like, hey, here's the good news about the pandemic, because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that's been such a struggle. But it's not good news, but there's an opportunity here, you know, to figure out how to be aware of what our boundaries are and how to interact with other people and also how to go inside our own mind and like, what can I do gently to open up my mind and my heart. Well, and I love that these 59 days you're doing are around healing. I think that is, if, if for people who aren't already doing some kind of healing work in their lives from past trauma or just who aren't familiar with the concept of healing, I feel like this will be even more, it's going to be difficult for all of us, but even more difficult for those folks. And how did you land on healing as a theme and, and what is that? I mean, I know you talked about what it's been like, but what has the reception been? Oh, you know, it's been so exciting to see people who are following along every day in the podcast. It's, it's fantastic. Um, I feel like I have company in my journey that, that I'm on here. So, um, so Yeshe, you know, came up with this heal, transform, transcend that that's what we're trying to do with our dualistic mind, because we have a mind that tends to see things in this kind of black and white way. And so we need to heal that if we want to transform it, if we want to change it in some ways, and then to be able to get beyond that by, by transcending it. So that that's really, but the first step is healing, because there's harm that we do not just to other people by seeing things in this dualistic way, but harm that we're doing to ourselves as well. Yes, 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 yes. I'm going to uh, listen to this recording again and again. Um, I will say this is one of our podcast episodes that has been incredibly helpful. Um, Tanya, thank you for being here. It's never enough time and hopefully we can, you know, meet up in Santa Barbara sometime, or even, you know, have, of course, have you on again. Um, but for people who are not familiar with your work, where can they find you? Like, where are some of the, the sites or the links or the accounts that they should really go to right after listening to this? Thank you so much for having me back. This is just the best uh, way to spend a Friday afternoon. Um, so if you want to find out more about my work, you can look on tanyaisrael.com. It's T-A-N-I-A-I-S-R-A-E-L.com. And my social media, um, if you're interested in the stuff about dialogue across political difference, then look for BYB Dialogue for Beyond Your Bubble Dialogue. That's on I don't know, Instagram and Twitter, but you can also look for Tanya Israel because that's where I am on LinkedIn and on Twitter and Insta I'm just all over the place on many things. Anyway, look for BYB Dialogue or Tanya Israel. You'll find me. And where do they find the podcast? Oh, right. The podcast. So the podcast is Prajna Sparks, P-R-A-J-N-A sparks you can find that on whatever your favorite podcast platform is we're there but you can also look on the website um prajnafire uh, i'm not going to try to say the url go to my website tanyaisrael.com <laughs> and click on podcast and then you'll get to it <laughs> perfect perfect and i can also vouch that i love your your um your your uh, podcast prajna sparks it's so wonderful and calming and like such a beautiful way to start a day or start a week. Like it really stays with me. Like so many of the themes I'm like, oh my gosh, like I really think back to things that you've talked about with Yeshe. And I also love going back and I have people in my life who are obsessed with it. So you two are really making a difference and it's just really adding so much light into the world where I think that it's so necessary. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> 